You're listening to Vet to Vet Coaching, and I'm your host, Dr. Ginger Templeton. This is our 12th episode and the fourth in a series called Lessons from Leukemia. Today's topic is the immeasurable weight of things, and I'll be talking about decluttering and how that can lighten your life and open up room for more possibilities. I am very excited to be offering a new program called Spark. It is weekly group coaching available for veterinary team members. I firmly believe that everyone deserves access to an objective, highly trained, knowledgeable coach. But let's face it, one-to-one coaching can be expensive. And group coaching not only is affordable, but it provides a unique benefit. What is group coaching? You're going to come into a Zoom call. You may submit a question and may be picked to be coached in front of the group. You don't have to be coached in front of the group and that's where the unique second benefit comes in. By listening to others get coached through their problems, you are gonna learn how to apply these tools to your own concerns. And because this is a group of veterinary team members, you are gonna hear issues that you are facing. You are going to hear issues that your team is facing. This is going to be highly relevant to your day-to-day. So for $67 a month, you can get group coaching on a weekly basis and have access to me via email for quick questions and the tools that I teach. If you want to sign up, go to my website, drdrgingertempleton, that's drgingertempleton.com, If you're not sure if this is right for you, just send me an email. We'll talk through it. Ginger at vettevetcoaching.com. Don't delay. Spark is going to be an amazing program. It's going to change the lives of veterinary team members. I want to see you there. When I was in high school, I had a wonderful history teacher. He was the kind of teacher who taught you so much more than history. His name was Mr. Roundtree, and really he was my first real writing teacher. He told us never use the word thing when writing. There's always a better word, he said. I have carried that advice with me for the last three decades, and today I really struggled with what to title this podcast. I wanted to title it The Immeasurable Weight of Things. Things. And I knew he would frown (laughs) at that title. What do I really mean by things? Stuff? That's not really any better than the word things. Clutter? That's a little bit closer, but it's, it's too charged. It's too judgmental. Papers, projects, knickknacks. Yes, those are all things, but there's so much more to this concept. I had coffee with a friend recently, and By the way, she's someone I desperately want to hire. I want to pay for her to go through coach training, and I want to hire her to coach with me, and that's a whole other story. But she's just one of those people that every time we talk, I learn something new. I get some new insight, and this time was no different. She was dealing with clutter in a transitional time in her life, and she hired an organizational coach. The woman pointed to her cabinets filled with unfinished projects, baby books, probably art projects, probably, you know, things that she had bought for her kids that thought that they might be educational. She pointed to the cabinets and she said, these represent 
the unmet expectations you have for yourself. Let that sink in a minute. What in your home represents your unmet expectations for yourself? What in your office at work? If you're like me, what are you carrying around in your car? What clutter, what piece of paper, what book represents unmet expectations for yourself? When Lindsay was in the hospital, we accumulated an enormous amount of clutter. I saved every single piece of artwork, every room decoration, sheets of stickers sent by caring neighbors, even gifts still in their plastic, boxes that we had not opened that we set aside and said, oh, we'll give these to her on a bad day just in case. We're going to save these just in case. We spent a total of 159 nights inpatient. The treatments would last for 5 to 10 days, and then we would spend another 20 to 35 days inpatient. Her white blood cells would drop. Her neutrophils, which are a type of white blood cell, would go to zero. And then we would stay in the hospital because her immune system was so suppressed she couldn't be out of the hospital. And we would wait for those neutrophils and white blood cells to recover. And then eventually, her neutrophil count would get up to 200, 300, 500, still severely depressed, but safe enough to go quarantine at home. So we'd be discharged after being in the hospital 30, 40, 45 days. We'd be discharged to home and just get a few days off, a few days at home. Each time we left the hospital, our minivan was packed with bags and boxes of all of these memories all of these pieces of artwork and papers, CBCs that I had kept from the doctors, fears, hopes. We would take all of this home, and by the fifth round of chemo, our last discharge from the hospital, we accumulated two vehicles worth of stuff. We drove home, done with the treatment. We were praying that Lindsay would stay in remission. We unloaded the clutter, we unloaded the the vans, and just stacked the boxes one after the next in our spacious sunroom. And there it sat for almost a year. In moments of clarity, I would open up a box, determined I was going to tackle it. Surely, this orange construction paper with a black circle could be thrown away. Maybe she made that on Halloween in the hospital. Couldn't I throw it away? What if she relapsed? The anxiety would start to buzz. I would feel it in my chest, a lump in my throat, and then that voice, that familiar voice, what if she relapses? What if she dies? Your clutter may not carry the gravitational pull of cancer, of relapse, of death, but it has a weight. It has a gravity in your life. Things that no longer hold purpose or no longer hold value, how are they pulling you? It takes strength and practice to let go of things. But once I began exercising that muscle of decluttering, I strengthened my discernment about the value or the lack of value of stuff. And that strength continued to grow the more I practiced. If you walk through my house, depending on the day, the circumstances of life, you might not think that a minimalist lives in our house. There might be more or less clutter. And even as I planned this podcast, I noticed a bit of clutter on my bedside table. There is a coffee mug that I usually, you know, hang on to when I'm writing. 
three markers, a journal, my phone, a book that I'm reading about appreciative inquiry. There's a list, a to-do list from yesterday. Hmm. What gravity does that to-do list hold? It was yesterday's to-do list. Why do I still have it? So you may not look at my table and think, oh, she's a minimalist. That's not really the point. The point is that I recognize the weight and the gravity of these items and I'm willing to let them go when I need to. And so because I've practiced this skill, I can look at that old to-do list, recognize the, the weight that it holds for me and throw it away and see and notice the lightness that I feel. Recognizing that tomorrow I'll write a new to-do list and I don't have to fear that I'm going to forget something. I can trust myself and not assign an unnecessary level of value or responsibility to that piece of paper. Clutter holds a weight. There have been studies into women in particular that show the effect on our mental well-being if there's clutter in our environment is, can be at least, significant. And for me, this held very true. I started my house call practice in 2015. And in that year, or rather 2016, in that year, it was winter and I wasn't fully booked and I had time. I had time to be home. I had time to listen to podcasts. I had time to read books. And so I implemented Marie Kondo's book, um, The Japanese Art of Tidying Up. I did that program, so to speak, and decluttered a bit. And then I found the Minimalists podcast and I listened to those guys for a while and I became even more radical in my decluttering. And for me, that was really the entry point into this whole world of mental well-being and self-improvement, financial health, mindfulness, all of the things that I teach on this podcast came as a result of that first experience with radically decluttering my home. Now, not everyone struggles with clutter and some people don't necessarily experience the effect on their well-being from clutter or from stuff in their environment. This is different for everyone. Nonetheless, I'm going to give you all an assignment this week and I really want to encourage you to play with it. I want you to this week over the next seven days, declutter 100 items from your home. Now, for some of you, that, that may sound like a really big number. You may think, I don't have that much clutter. I want you to try it. And you might be creative. You might count pruning uh, an overgrown shrub as one, one point of decluttering. But I want you to give it a try. For others of you, you may have literally tens of thousands of pieces of clutter in your home. Papers, books, knickknacks, and you may feel paralyzed. Like you can't possibly throw away the first thing that you pick up, much less make a dent in this clutter. And for you, that's why this exercise is set at 100 items. I don't want you to think about the boxes in the attic. I want you to simply think about getting to 10 and then 20 and then 100. And I don't want you to get caught up in where the clutter is going. I know what's holding some of you back because it held me back, was a fear of throwing things away and being wasteful. If something is sitting in your closet, never to be used again, 
there is no difference environmentally between that and that item sitting in the landfill. Especially if you commit to leaving that open space in your closet. So as you declutter, you also focus on this habit of not bringing in more clutter. But one thing at a time, let's start with these 100 items. On your refrigerator, I want you to put a little piece of paper and write a little hash mark each time you throw away or recycle or donate one item. And if you want, you can make this a little money-making project and you can post things on let go or offer up, you know, and sell things, that's fine. If you actually do it, if you actually let them go, don't get lost in the details. Really commit to getting rid of 100 items. As a committed minimalist and declutterer, I'm going to do this and I think it'll be easy for me to find 100 items. I do hope you'll continue journaling. I do hope you'll continue trying to meet those seven components of the healthy mind plotter that we've discussed. And quite frankly, this decluttering exercise could count depending on how you approach it as either time in or focus time. And then next week, I want you to evaluate. How do you feel? Do you feel lighter? Did you feel anxiety around letting things go? Pay attention to your thoughts and your feelings as you let these items go. I think you'll find this is a powerful exercise and I hope this will, like it did for me, represent this entry point, this first step into much more personal growth, into self-awareness, into a lightness in your life, more space in your home, more space in your mind to grow. Take care of yourselves this week. You're all doing a wonderful job. Let's remember Brene Brown's words, we are all doing the best that we can. And let's give ourselves the same grace that we try to give others as we move through these challenging times. I'll see you back here next week. Have a great week. Dr. Templeton is a licensed veterinarian in the state of North Carolina. She is not a medical doctor or mental health provider. The content of this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. It does not substitute for medical or mental health care. The content of this show is not meant to diagnose or treat any human medical or mental health conditions, veterinary medical conditions, nor is it meant to provide legal or financial advice. At vet vet Coaching, we take mental health and the veterinary suicide issue very seriously. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, thoughts of self-harm, or a mental health crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or seek emergency care locally.